You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Good morning. How are you? Happy spring break. Who's on spring break this week? Awesome. Well, I was excited to see who showed up on spring break Sunday and time change Sunday. This is the most dreaded day in a pastor's life. Did you know that? Spring forward Sunday and spring break on the same week. Well, I'm glad you're here. I was curious as to who's going to be here today. I'm excited. Today we uh, continue our series, Upside Down Kingdom. We've been talking about Jesus, God with us, God in the flesh, God on the earth, the greatest storyteller there ever was. He gave us stories that we're still reading and singing and talking about the most famous stories in history. And the number one way that Jesus taught was a method called parables And the number one thing that he talked about was the kingdom. So what we've been talking about are the messages of the parables and the kingdoms. A third of all of Jesus' teachings were through the method of parables. So uh, what Jesus taught is so upside down to the way they thought and to the way that we think that uh, we have to dissect them and look at them in a completely different way. I mean, they were expecting an earthly kingdom with the guy was a spiritual kingdom. And we find God's kingdom is so upside down from ours that the parables are Jesus' way of trying to explain to us this upside down kingdom. But they left a lot of people confused. So today we're going to talk about a often misunderstood parable. And if you've ever been in church for more than a few years, you probably have heard a part of this parable. Today we're going to talk about the parable of the sower. Some of you have heard that. Who's heard of that parable before, the sower, parable of the sower. All right, no worries, because if you, even if you haven't, no big deal. In fact, if you have, erase what you know about it and start over with us today. Um, here's what we're going to talk about. In this parable, this is the absolute first parable shared in all of the Gospels. And in three of the Gospels that give the full story of this parable All of them, it's more than just a parable. It's an important thing we must grab a hold of. In Mark, when Jesus gave this parable, before he gave it, he said to his disciples, if you can't get this, you can't understand anything else that I'm going to talk about from here on out. That's how important he said. How are you going to get the others if you don't get this one? And in Matthew, where we're going to look at the parable today, it's the first of seven parables that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks that Jesus talks about concerning the kingdom. Well, earlier that day, Jesus had a confrontation. So we're going to talk a little bit about why he said this parable. In Matthew 12, the same day that he gave this parable, he was out teaching, and some Pharisees, those are the religious leaders, came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, these miracles and this teaching that you're teaching, the spirit that you have, These Pharisees told Jesus that he was working under the power of the devil. Wow, right? When you you tell God on earth that, hey, you're filled with the devil, what do you think God might say back to you? Guess what he said? He said, you're going to hell. Guaranteed. That's what he said. Read it. This is Matthew 12. He said, you think I'm filled with the devil? Well, you're going to hell. You'll get to see him one day. Guaranteed. In fact, he gave a guarantee that there was no hope for them whatsoever. Pretty crazy. Now, you can imagine the the disciples, they were like, what? The parable that we're about to read is in relation to what just happened that same day. 
The disciples must have been thinking, and we found out they were in discussions later on, that they're confused. How is it, Jesus, that we can see you do miracles and signs and wonders? We can stand in the very presence of God and believe, but yet the same people in the group hear the same message, see and experience the presence of God just like us, just don't get it. How is it, Jesus, that not everyone believes in you? That they can't see you the way that we see you. How is it that, well, people respond to God differently? That's the context of this parable. And this is where we pick up in Matthew 12, uh, 13 now, verse 1. It says, the same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him. By the way, Jesus was popular. He was popular. I mean, when he came into town, like, Jesus... It's here, and he's speaking. So by the thousands and thousands everywhere Jesus went, people were showing up to hear and to see his miracles and to hear his stories and his teaching about the kingdom. People left work. They left their chores. This was a huge event, extremely popular. So the crowds were so big that he got into a boat. Now, Jesus often used a boat as a pulpit. You're going to find this throughout the scripture. Now, a lot of people at that time, they thought, Jesus, you can't use a boat as a pulpit. You belong in a church building. You belong in front of a regular podium, and you need to, to preach in a church building. Well, you know, we, we hear the same thing ourselves, too. And I think if God were alive today, uh, he is alive today, but if Jesus were in our presence as a physical person today, he might use a theater as a pulpit. You never know. He says he sat in a boat. I like this. He got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. We talked about this last week. Let's try that today, actually. I'm going to sit down for the remainder of the message and I want you guys to go ahead and stand up if you could. Just kidding. I'm going to do that every week. Some of you guys didn't even move. You're like, I get them no matter what. Oh, we would have made you. We would have made you. We have cattle prodders. So the whole crowd stood on the beach. Probably you guys would stay awake better if you did that. Uh, verse 3, and he told them many things in parables. So here's the deal. In the heat of the day, mosquitoes, humidity on the edge of this beach, Jesus begins to tell a simple story about a farmer with the context that some people were in his presence and saw his miracles and thought he was of the devil. This is what Jesus said. He says, a sower. That means a farmer. Someone, that's not someone who sews clothing or fashion designer. It is someone who throws seed out onto a harvest plowed ground. So a sower, a farmer, that's something they would know about because they lived in an agricultural society. He says, uh, he went out to sow some seed. He went to plant some, some seed and he sowed. And as he sowed some seed, it fell on the path or the wayside, uh, and the birds came and they devoured them. So he, he threw some seed on the hard walked path of a trail and the ground was so walked on and packed that the birds just came and ate the seed. He says, other seed fell on rocky ground. Now this is not it fell among the rocks. This is actually soil that is fertile but has rocks in it and it has a thin warm soil but it dries out because it's shallow. So he says, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, but since they had no depth of soil, 
When the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. Now, this is, this is uh, the thorns in some translation. The word there is weeds. So some fell upon soil that was fertile but was filled with weeds. Something grows there, but it's always full of weeds. He says, and the thorns grew up and choked that seed, choked them, and other seed fell on good soil. That's weed-free, rock-free, good soil. And it produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, different degrees of harvest. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I can imagine the people going, okay, mm-hmm. strange, I don't get it. Let's go have lunch. Good practical message, Jesus, right? Well, feeling the tension, the disciples took Jesus aside and they asked him this question. They said, the parables, uh, the disciples then came to him, why do you speak to them in parables? This is why parables are weird and bizarre and strange and they're not, they are not given to illustrate things. They're actually given to confuse many. So Jesus begins to talk about why he gave us parables. And let's kind of talk about that for a second. And then he actually explains to them the parable. The next verse he says, and he answered, he says, this is why I do what I do. He says, uh, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. He says, I'm purposely hiding the truth from some people, but not from me. If you're taking notes, write this down. Parables hide the truth from those who are not really seeking the truth. And this is so important to understand is that they were not meant to reveal something, but the parables were actually meant to hide something from those who aren't really seeking the truth. This is crazy. They're not cool illustrations making difficult things clear. They're actually things to make clear things about God's kingdom more difficult to understand for those that are not hungry for God. It's crazy thinking. The casual and the curious crowds who came out to be a part of the excitement were often turned off by Jesus' parables. So here's the deal. Jesus would come out. You know, they were, they were Jewish. They might have had some music or something because they often sang whenever they got together. And then Jesus would often do miracles. He would raise the dead or heal the sick. You know, and if they were hungry, he would multiply food and pass out lunch. I mean, he did the miraculous. But Jesus is saying it. But there are some people that when he gets up to begin to speak, all of a sudden people settle into their chairs. They get all cozy And they nap because they've come just for the excitement of what they're going to see and experience. But when the truth comes, they kind of turn off. He says, the parables are meant to turn off those that aren't really hungry for me. Hmm. Is that you today? He goes on to say, verse 12, it says, For to you, the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not... Even what he has will be taken away. Now, that's a weird thing to say. Let me break it down for you. This is what it basically means. Those open to the truth will get more, and those who do not understand will understand even less. That's crazy talk, Jesus. But that's what he... If you are hungry today, if you're sitting here today to know God and hungry for his righteousness, hungry for his kingdom, hungry to know Jesus who we sing about and lift up, God will give you more of your 
understanding as you are hungry for him. If you're not hungry for him, there's a good chance today that you're going to walk out of here even more confused. That's what he's saying. If you've been given some, you're going to get more. But if you don't get any, you're even going to get less. Verse 13, he explains, he says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. He says, some see and hear it, and they still don't get it. And he says, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but not understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. He says, there are some that just will not get it. For this, people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they could see, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. He says, but they just don't get, but if they would, I would hear and heal them. The parables force us to seek out the truth, not to be spoon-fed. They turn some people into followers, and they turn some people off. So some in that crowd might have thought, hmm, the, the, the hard ground, the rocky, the thorny, I get it. Thanks, Jesus. I need to go plow my field a little bit better. I need to go pull the weeds and dig out the rocks. Thanks. What a practical message. You know, it's kind of funny. That's what a lot of people come to church for. They don't want life transforming in your face truth that causes them to change the way they live. They want practical messages, right? A lot of people come into church and preacher, give me something I can use at work tomorrow that won't totally make me uncomfortable with my life. Give me something practical. So a lot of people in the crowd, they didn't get it. They liked that simple surface, but there was something deeper going on. Verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your eyes, for they hear, or for your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and hear what you hear. And did not hear. He says, there's a lot of prophets before you that were waiting for me. That were waiting to see and hear what you get to see and hear. The prophets talked about me, the promised one. God with you. And you're blessed. You get not only to see me and hear me, but you get to understand. So then Jesus begins to explain this parable to his disciples. He says, for you, I'm going to explain it to you. So he starts like this. Jesus answers the big question of the Bible. This is huge. How could someone hear God speak? How could someone see the miracles of God, sit in the very presence of Jesus, and still miss it? How could they miss it? This is a question a lot of you might ask. Why does a wife want to follow Jesus and a husband have no interest? Why does one brother who comes to know Christ become a missionary and the other one become a porn producer? Why does a mom give her life to Christ and her children have no desire? Why is it that a child can say yes to Christ and a parent think that that child is foolish? Why is it that some get it and some do not get it? And why is it that some start off on fire and then drift away never to return? Why is it, God, that that just some people just don't get it? Here's the parable. Here's the answer. It's the parable of the sower. And he said to Mark, if you don't get this, you won't understand anything else about me. So this is one of those very difficult, hard, hard parables to really come to grips with. 
I'm going to explain this. So here comes Jesus. He says, well, there's four types of people that hear my word. Let me explain it to you. He says this in verse 18. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, by the way, that's the devil. Jesus acknowledges a real devil, not a symbolic devil, but a real devil. He says, but when the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart, the evil one comes and steals it because it's all surface, because his heart is his heart is hard. This is what was sown along the path. So Here's what it represents. The first one represents the hard-hardened person. Now, to help you to understand this, these four types of people, I'm going to illustrate with some help from a few guests that I have today. This is going to represent the hard-hearted person. This is Sheldon wearing his flash shirt. Sheldon is going to represent the hard-hearted person. They, they respond, uh, to, 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 to basically nothing. Uh, he, he is a person who is, um, who's been there, done that, heard that, read the book. Uh, I'm too smart, too knowledgeable, too intense. I've been walked on. I've been hurt too many times. I'm no fool. So the seed never gets deep enough to do anything. They are the hard-hearted person. This person is not interested and the word of God never penetrates their soul. And a lot of times Jesus said, there are a lot of people who are just like this guy who just is not interested. There are a lot of people who have a hard heart towards the teaching of Jesus, towards the gospel. Why are they hard hearted? Well, The Bible gives us two reasons why people are hard-hearted. Number one, they've been walked on a lot. Thus, the path, it's been walked on and hard-hearted. They've experienced so much or read so much that life has become hard to them. And another reason people have a hard heart, this one's hard to comprehend, is because the Bible says that God has just finished with some people. That God is done with some, and when they're done, there's no hope for them. That's what happened in Matthew 12. He says, you guys, your heart is so hard, I'm done with you. So this is the hard-hearted person. Jesus said some people are like this. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. The God of this world basically means the idols of this life. Okay? Um, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of the Father. So Jesus then goes on in Matthew 13, tells us about a second guy. He says, As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet it has no root in himself, and it endures for a while. Everybody say endures for a while. That means he lives for God for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This rocky soil represents the shallow, someone whose soil is full of rocks. And I'm going to have this guest here help me to uh, teach this to you, represent to you the rocky ground. You guys know who that guy is? John Wayne. Leather, good old Leatherface, the Duke. All right. This is the guy who um, responds enthusiastically. He's excited at first, but because of all the things that are in his life, it's shallow. 
And he has sudden growth, but there's no depth. The problem is not growth. The problem is depth. So when trials and problems of life come, a shallow person's life, their faith is short-lived. In reality, this is where uh, a lot of people are. They, they, they say a prayer. They walk an aisle. They sign a car. They go to camp. They get pumped. Yeah, Jesus, I love you. But it's so shallow. It's so thin. As Jesus said in the original telling of the story earlier, it's so dry that when the sun comes up, it's so shallow that it scorches anything and burns up anything that might be under the surface. So this is where a lot of people, I think, are. A lot of people are like, you know what? I'm excited, but they, they just don't last. They don't, you know, maybe you've known someone like that. Someone who was excited for God, man. They were, man, they were the, oh, he finally gave his life to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, like a year later, where are they? Where are they? They're right back where they were. Jesus said, you know what? Some people, they just don't get it. They look like it, but they're so shallow. There's no deep. The roots aren't deep. It was all very surface. First Peter 1 6 says this when it comes to trials. It says, though now for a little while you may have have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, these trials have come so that your faith, which is greater of value than gold, uh, which perishes even though refined by fire, that means greater than even gold. He says, these things have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He said, man, the apostle Paul was saying exactly what Jesus said. The trials of life, Prove the genuineness of your faith. See, a lot of people, they can't survive the trials, and it shows that their faith was never really genuine at all. Jesus says, well, that's the second kind of person. Enthusiasm is great, but it's not about how emotional you are, or how it's about how deep you are, how unshakable you are. So he goes on to talk about the third type of person. He says in Matthew 13, 22, he says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but he, and by the way, in the parable, he says it also begins to grow. But the cares of this world, that's worry, and the deceitfulness of riches, that means riches and pleasures of this life, other pursuits, choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This thorny soil represents a third kind of person. And uh, we'll have this guy represent the third kind of person. Who is this guy? Some of you guys do not know who he is. No, he's not Justin Bieber. I thought it was a, this is Harry from uh, One Direction, all right? <clears throat> Harry represents the guy who is, who's put his faith in Christ, but his life is so distracted. This is the third person. The first one's hard-hearted. The second one's a shallow. The third kind of person is the distracted person. They grow for a while, but worry, competing pursuits, distractions, desires, and misplaced priorities begin to choke his relationship with God. It might come out in ways like this. Well, I need to work. I have a game. I'm too busy. I've got classes. I've got things to pay off. My boyfriend is not interested in Jesus, but he or she is so cute. After a while, these other pursuits begin to choke your faith right out of you. They leave you dry, alone, and starving, spiritually choked. And Jesus said, this faith dies. 
because this is a person who's never truly worded, uh, rooted, and uh, they haven't developed a true authentic relationship with me either. Now, here's what I think is interesting. I was talking to somebody about this earlier. Is it, Here's what's interesting about weeds. You can have a wonderful crop. You can have a beautiful garden. And no matter how strong the garden is, Weeds rob the nutrients necessary to produce health in a crop. Weeds drain and rob the nutrients from the crop. And no matter how healthy the crop is, the weeds always win. Hear me this. The weeds always win. Jesus says, if you've got weeds in your life, if you've got other pursuits, other priorities other than the priority and pursuit of me, if you've got other things in place of your life that come before me, those weeds will rob you and drain your spiritual life right out of you. No matter how healthy you think you are, the weeds always rob you and drain you of the health that is necessary to grow. Matthew 13, it goes on in verse 23 to talk about a fourth person. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and another 30. This represents the attentive person. And to help me illustrate the attentive person, I have... Mr. Bean. Who doesn't love Mr. Bean? Mr. Bean represents the person who is open-hearted, attentive, listening, pulling the weeds, digging out the rocks. This is the guy who pays attention. I love this. He hears, he removes the thorns and rocks, and he grows. He's ready to hear distractions and other pursuits are left behind. And then Jesus says, this type of person bears a variety of fruit. Some bear a lot of fruit, some uh, a little bit less fruit, and some a little less. But everybody who is growing, who's attentive, who has an open heart, who weeds out and digs out the rocks, the open-hearted person will always grow. Now, a lot of people think that the bearing fruit here has to do with the things you're going to do in life. It doesn't have to do with that. If you read through the scriptures, fruit is always a representation of our relationship with God. Just read Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-control, those sort of things. He says, those that are open to me, your relationship with God flourishes. This is important. The fruit of the Spirit. It's about spiritual change. Now, a lot of times, this is this maybe what we've heard of this parable. You know, you've got the, the hard-hearted person. You've got the, the rocky ground person. You've got the thorny ground person. You've got the open heart person. Now, which one of these are you? Which one represents where you are today? I want to give you some insight from the seed sower. I want to give you some seeds from this passage that maybe you need the big ideas of this parable. Because obviously this is the parable. We've heard, some of you have heard this parable. Let me give you the big insights of this parable, all right? Here's the first thing is this. Some insights from the, from the sower, some seeds from the sower. Number one, 
And this is the hard part. I think this is why Jesus said this is more important to understand than any of the others. And that is, number one, check this out. Jesus is saying not everyone will understand and follow Jesus. Not everyone will get it. The kingdom of God is a mystery and not everyone will understand. Not everyone makes it into the kingdom. The sad reality of this parable is one that I am deeply conflicted with because I really had to give this over to the Lord this week. Because the possibility is that not everyone in your family will know Jesus. This is what he's saying. You can even read in Matthew 10, Jesus says, you know what? Some people think I've I've come to bring peace and harmony to the world. That's true. But in reality, I've also come to bring division between a mother and a father, a son and his his, uh, father, a mother and and her daughter. I've come to bring to divide families. Like, what does that mean? Because he says, you know what? There might be people in your own household who won't get this. And this is why I had to get over the Lord. I mean, I love my daughters more than uh, any of you, for sure, 100%. And outside of my wife, I love them more than anybody on this planet. And I want them to be with me forever in eternity. But the reality of this parable says that there is a possibility, possibility that, they, that one of them may not get it. And it breaks my heart. It makes me angry a little bit. It makes me frustrated. It makes me sad. You know, so I'm working, you know, spiritually hard to make sure that my kids get to know Jesus. But here's the reality of this passage. Your mom may never get saved. Your daughter may never come to know Jesus. Your son may never get it. Same sower, same seed, same word from God, same message. Four people, only one out of four got it. Few respond. Which one are you? In fact, even attendance in a church or attendance in the crowd does not ensure that you will be in the kingdom. Check this out. Here's in John chapter 6, verse 64. He says, but there are some of you who do not believe. He's talking to a group of thousand or so disciples and people that were following. He says to this giant crowd, some of you have been following me and you still don't believe who I am. There are some of you that don't believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were and who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless he is granted to him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. What? Jesus, man, I've been walking with you. I've been going from town to town with you. I, Man, I was part of the 70 you sent out. I cast out devils. I was involved. I was plugged in. I volunteered in kids' church. Man, I showed up early. I helped on the pit crew. I sang on the band, Jesus. And you're telling me that I might not even be a believer? forget you. The Bible says, when he said this, many of his disciples walked out on him. So Jesus turned to the 12 and he says, "Uh, do you want to go away as well? And I love this. Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? He said, where are we going to go, Jesus? We gave up everything. You're all we got. You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? The twelve, and yet one of you is a devil. Say, what? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. One of his own best friends, the twelve closest people in his life who heard every single thing out of Jesus' mouth, they saw every miracle. 
They heard every message. Man, this guy was a part of every single intricate part of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus said, yeah, Judas, he's not a believer. He's here, but he's not in the kingdom. Even among Jesus' close friends, not everyone understood. So not everyone would understand and follow Jesus. Hard reality. We could end that there and all go home depressed, but we're not. Here's the second thing. It says it's also about the method, not the message. The kingdom is not about programs, but proclaiming the truth. What was the seed that was sown? It was not a, a stellar outreach. It was not an amazing program. It was not really cool videos. The message that was cast was simply the words of Jesus. It was the truth. And I want you to know something that Jesus is saying. It's not about the method. It's about the message. I mean, there are a lot of churches that compromise God's word in order to try to relate and be relevant. Now, it's important that we are relevant in people's lives. I'm going to clarify that. It is important to be relevant. But Jesus is saying we cannot compromise the message in order to relate. The only thing that can bring life-changing transformation in the heart of a person is the Word of God, not good advice or good worship. Jesus says the only thing sown into a person's life that can change them is the Word of God. Here's the third thing about this and inside a seed from this sower. Uh, is number three is that good ministry produces different unpredictable results. Was there anything wrong with the sower? That's Jesus. Was there anything wrong with the sower? Answer me. Was there anybody wrong? No, okay. Was there anything wrong with the seed, the truth? There was nothing wrong with the sower. There was nothing wrong with the seed. Jesus preached in power and authority, and still many just did not get it. Every ministry on the planet seems to be judged by its visible fruit. Jesus says this, you can't judge a ministry by what you see. You can't judge the ministry by the numbers or its activities. Otherwise, Jesus would have been considered a failure. Because even of his own 12, one of them didn't get it and committed suicide. Out of the thousands, thousands left him. Out of the hundreds that were disciples, very small numbers of them stuck around. Church size is not an indication of the success of God's word. The crowds came out by the thousands to hear Jesus. He had a lot of fans, but very few understood. He had very few followers. He may be your homeboy, but he's the king of your heart and of your decisions. I want to ask you this today. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? Here's a fourth thing. We're going to run through these quite quickly. Is Number four is you can't control where the crop grows. You can't control where the crop comes up. Because the issue is not the sower or the seed. The issue, check this out, was the soil. It was not Jesus or the seed that was the problem with this hard-hearted person. It was not the message or the one who preached the message that was the problem for this rocky-hearted person or this thorny ground person. It was the condition of a person's life, a person's heart. Some of you feel so guilty about your kids not living for Jesus. Some of you are so worried and feel guilty about your parents, about your friend. And you think, God, what can I do? What what book will break through? What movie will make sense? 
What speaker, what church, what, what, what scripture is going to break through God? There is no magic bullet when it comes to the heart of a person. There's no magic bullet greater than Jesus, yet some still did not receive or understand from Jesus. No one can preach a message better than him. No one can explain the kingdom better than him. He was the ultimate, perfect friend, communicator, lover, gentle, patient, kind, eye-to-eye lover of people, and some still walked away sad. Your job is not to harden the soil by being a jerk for Jesus. Your job is not to be pushy, obnoxious. Nobody was ever forced or hamstringed into the kingdom. So for me, I am to sow widely because I don't know where the good soil is. I might see some of the hard paths, but the others, it's under the surface. I don't know who's ready. So I will sow truth as far and wide as I can sow it. Here's the next thing. Number five, seeds from the sower when it comes to this parable, is that don't be misled by sudden or quick growth. This is huge. Got to listen to this. Three out of four people, three out of four people heard the message and grew. Three out of the four heard the message and grew in truth. Two of them grew explosively fast. These two grew fast. This guy, man, he struggled, but he never gave up. This guy maybe didn't have the immediate enthusiasm as these guys. He might have been the guy who was like, man, he's a slow learner. But but you know what? He's the only guy that stuck around. And this is interesting because this tells us that, that some people who will hear God's word and get excited about it still will not be around later. Good starts do not guarantee a happy ending. Enthusiasm out of a service, out of a church, out of a conference, man. This time, God, I mean it. This guy, this time, God, I'm doing it. Woo! Yeah, baby. And then a month later, it's so shallow. There's so many cares and other pursuits in their life. There's so many rocks under the surface, so many distractions. They're so surface that that they're just not around. And I got to be honest with you, as a pastor... This breaks my heart because I see this a lot. I see this a lot. As a youth pastor, I've been a pastor now for 20 years. And there are young people in our youth group that, man, we're, man, are on fire kids, man. And they're so far from God right now. I don't know if they're a prodigal or what. I don't know if they're ever going to come back. But I know that right now, I start to question, did they even know God? Maybe it was so shallow. Maybe they were so distracted by other pursuits that God's word never truly took root in their life. Maybe they were never truly his. You can't tell what kind of a heart a person has. Even when it appears that they get it, they might have missed it. Jesus is telling us that the long haul reveals the depth of a heart. Here's some verses. 1 Timothy 4, 1 says this. It says, uh, Paul is writing to Tim. He says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Whoa. And then the writer of Hebrews in chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Take care. He says, Be careful, brothers, man. He says, Lest there be any of you 
an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Crazy. God is saying here that it's, it's, it's about the long haul. Here's the last thing, and then we need to wrap this up. He says, and this is the key to this whole passage, and this, we must all be attentive and care for our own soil. The one common thing about all these, all these four types of people is that they all heard the Word of God. All of them heard it. The difference was how they responded. One kept it, nurtured it, and grew with it. Luke 8.15 puts it this way. He says, The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who, if you have a Bible circle, this hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, circle persevering, produce a crop. So as we wrap this up, I want you to take this warning to heart today. Who are you? Where are you? Where do you stand? You need to pull the weeds, dig out the rocks, get rooted, dig deep. Is this just an emotional trip for you? The whole church, the touchy-feely, shundai, the shakes or the songs or the videos or what was it that got you started? Are you shallow? Are you going to be chasing other things? Every week is such a struggle for some of you to just stay with Jesus. Some will say, well, I guess you're just born that way. Some people are just a hard heart. Some people, they got rocky soil. Some people, they, you know, you're just born that way. So you're just born to struggle your whole life. Just give into it. Just be who you are. Don't buy into that because Jesus tells us this. He says in Mark 4, 24, when he tells this, he says, uh, after he says, uh, take care then how you hear, he says, then he had to pay close attention to what you hear then. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. You have a chance to hear. You have a chance to grow. You have a chance to bear fruit. I've got passages in there extra to to help you. So here's my challenge to you today. If you, this is my prayer, if you're a hard-hearted person, hear the words of Hosea in chapter 10, verse 12. Sow righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed, hardened ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. If you are a distracted, thorn-filled person, heed the words of Jeremiah 4, 3 that says, Break up the rocky ground of your heart and remove the thorns. If you are someone who has a rock-filled, shallow walk with God, heed the words of Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony and stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I can tell you this, that Jesus reminds us the very real truth of something that's very unpleasant in all of the parables we're about to look at. In every parable, the reality of an eternal kingdom and an eternal judgment is ever before us in every single parable. In every parable, he says, some don't get it. 
and some do. Some enter the kingdom and some do not. Which are you? That's the parable. Which are you? So let's pray. Let's bow our heads. So what soil are you? Are you the stiff-hearted? Are you the shallow? Are you the sidetracked? Are you the accessible? The one who listens, who hears, who clears the ground, who grows and bears fruit. Lord Jesus, help us to be good soil. I want to just for a moment, I want us to to just take a moment just to search our heart. Who are you? Is your heart hard today? Will you allow God to give you a new heart? Are you shallow today? Will you allow God to dig out those rocks and go deeper with God? Are you distracted today by other pursuits and desires and riches and people and money or worries and cares and concerns? Will you pull those weeds and listen and get rooted? Lord Jesus, help us. Who are you? Just take a moment. Ask God, God, who am I? Reveal yourself to me. Give me ears to hear, Lord. Help me to listen to the right voice. God, I pray that you dig up the rocks and pull the weeds, Lord. Help us, Lord. If you're here today and your heart is is open and attentive and ready, then I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Christ and to to begin a new walk with Him. The seed has been sown into your life. Will you respond today? Let's pray. If you would like to say yes to Christ, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, come on, let's pray it out loud, everyone. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sowing life into me. Forgive me of my sin. You are who you say you are. Thank you for the cross. I want to start over. Forgive me my sin. Wash me clean. Help me to grow. Help me to get rooted. Help me to be here for the long haul with you, Jesus. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.